reason that will be more important and more impactful in your life than keeping all of those resolutions in all those other categories. For 2019, we should, every one of us, resolve to make this a year we grow our faith. Growing your faith is a really, really important thing that I think as Christians we, we take for granted. We don't think about it that much. Now, yes, we all are able to quote a lot of scriptures on, on faith, and we don't always have the actual book or chapter or verse, but we can always quote some parts of them. So i got three up here that are kind of common ones. Um, you know, Ephesians uh, 2.8, for by grace we've been saved through faith. Uh, you know, Corinthians, for we walk by faith, but not by sight. And then, uh, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. These are three really, really great ones. They're kind of go-to ones for folks. Um, they're really good to remember in the good times and the bad times. But growing your faith, the depth of what faith really, truly is, is so much deeper than something we can just quote. And I think one of the reasons that it's easiest for, for us to quote things is because our society has taken this word faith and made it very secular. And so they use it in quotes all the time. And I've got just a couple here that I want to show you how secular this has become. The first one is from Susan uh, Brockman, who is an author of romance novels, by the way. And she says, dare to dream, dance, smile, and sing loudly, and have faith that love is an unstoppable force. Love is an unstoppable force. But I'm pretty sure she's not talking about the love of John 3.16. The next one would be this. It's from Helen Keller. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. Helen Keller was an amazing woman. And I mean, obviously blind and deaf, right? Even without those disabilities, she would have been an amazing woman. She was highly intelligent, a great thinker, right? But I'm going to tell you, optimism is not faith. And faith... It does not lead to achievement. In fact, I think that faith is the achievement. The next one would come from, this guy's actually a pastor. Norman Vincent Peale. He, he started Guidepost. And he said, believe in yourself. Have faith in your abilities. Without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers, you cannot be happy or successful or happy. This guy's a pastor. And he's told you that faith is believing in yourself. Faith is not believing in yourself. Yes, confidence is good and being happy is good, but faith is not believing in yourself. Faith is believing in something more. I'm going to skip the other two. So what we want to do is grow our faith. We want to make our faith more important than it ever was. And how we do that is by finding out what faith is in Scripture, how powerful faith really can be and what it means. So this is where that little paper that you all got with the little seed on it is. That is a mustard seed. You don't have to do anything with it. You can throw it away when you get home. But I wanted to let you know because we're going to read from Matthew today about the mustard seed. And it's going to, and I, want, I mean, sometimes we forget how truly small this mustard seed is and how this, this seed of faith really is out there. So let me open up. We're going to read Matthew we have two different verses today we're going to read. Two chapter, or two different readings we're going to have. The first one's from Matthew. So let me read it here. When they came to a crowd, a man came up to him, kneeling before him, and said, Lord, 
Have mercy on my son, for he is epileptic and suffers suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, Oh, faithful and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was instantly healed. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The faith like a mustard seed. How small that little grain of faith is. Can you imagine having that kind of faith and being able to tell a mountain to move from here to there and it does it? I've said this before to people, so people just, I don't have the faith it takes to move that mustard seed. But Jesus says that if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can have that kind of power. And I think we get lost in, in this saying a little bit because we focus on this mountain. We focus on the fact that I could have the power to move a mountain. And I think we miss the real point. The point is not that you have the power to move a mountain. The point is that you have faith like a mustard seed. And with faith like a mustard seed, you can do anything. It doesn't have to be a giant mountain move. It can be little things. Jesus teaches about seeds a couple times. And there's an important thing with this mustard seed that's so much different than his other teaching. The biggest one we think of is the parable of the sower, the parable of the four soils, right? And the sower is out and he casts the seeds out and they fall on four different types of soils. A hard path, they fall on the rocky soil, it falls in the soil with thorns, and it falls on good soil. Rocky path, it gets eaten by birds. Uh, the, uh, the, the hard path gets eaten by birds. The rocky soil, it springs up, but there's no water, no depth in the roots. It dies. The thorns overtake the stuff that's growing there. They die. But in the good soil, bang, right? Big, big pro- produce, a bumper crop there. The people that Jesus is talking to in this lesson have already been the harvest of the good soil. They are the believers in their hearts already. They have this bumper crop of belief in their heart. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples through this mustard seed story that there's something different you have to do. There's a different seed you have to plant. There's this mustard seed of faith. The mustard seed, if you look at it, you don't have to look at it now, but if you look at it, it's so different. The seed that the sower was probably throwing, probably wheat or barley, uh, those were common crops in the area. They grow pretty, pretty well if they're in the right soil. But it's a flat seed. If anybody's seen a, a, a barley or wheat, right, they're flat, they don't roll anywhere, they just kind of lay there, right? A mustard seed is different. A mustard seed is round. Now, you have a yellow mustard seed, and in Israel, even today, what grows pretty wild is, is black mustard. It's the same seed-looking thing, right? Teeny, tiny, round seed. 
It rolls when you throw it. It's a hardy plant. It will grow in about any soil. So see, if you cast this small little mustard seed of faith out there and it hits a hard path and it rolls, it will find a crack in that hard path and sprout. If it goes to rocky soil, its roots are shallow and they spread out and it will spread out in and among those rocks and it will get water as it can in that way and it will grow. Because it grows wild and it's so hardy and it's hard to kill, a lot of people would consider it a weed in some areas. And it, when it goes in among those thorns, not only does it grow in among the thorns, but it will actually take over the thorns in that soil. And if it lands on good soil, wow. But that is what a mustard seed faith does. So Jesus isn't telling us to have, um, uh, uh, doesn't say to have faith of a mustard seed. He has have faith like a mustard seed. A faith that rolls, a faith that goes into any kind of soil it needs, and a faith that'll grow no matter what. That's the kind of faith we're supposed to have. That's the kind of faith that we're going to try and grow this year. But how do we activate that faith? Right? Because in all of those situations, there's still water needed to sprout that seed. How do we water that seed? Mark tells us in his version of this story how that happens. Now, see, in, in the Gospel of Mark, the guy comes, he can't have, heal his, his disciples can't heal his kid, and he brings him to Jesus, and Jesus heals him. But then Mark and, 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 and Matthew are telling the story slightly different. Matthew's focusing on this mustard seed of faith. He's focusing on that lesson of how you have to have strong faith. And Mark is writing a message to folks that already kind of have this faith, that understand that whole, uh, you know, the faith. And he's trying to tell them in his version of how you activate that seed. So, he, so Jesus, afterwards, the disciples come to him and say, how come we couldn't drive the demon out? And he says, some things are so powerful, you can only get them out by prayer. So prayer is what activates the mustard seed of faith. That leads us to our next scripture reading. We're going to go all the way back, all the way back Old Testament, all the way back pre-nation of Israel, all the way to Joshua. Joshua and the Israelites have crossed over, crossed the Jordan. They've already defeated the Battle of Jericho, right, where they have the army marches around and the horns blow, the walls fall, right? They've also uh, defeated the country of Ai, the city of Ai. They have uh, made peace with the Gibeons. Not the Gibbons, that's a monkey, they don't live there. Gibeons, or Gibeonites, or Gibeotites, or one of those words that they had. And now they're sitting at Gilgal in his army, waiting for God to tell them what to do next. So we're in Joshua chapter 10. There's a lot of names in this one, so bear with me. As soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, they didn't own Jerusalem yet, it was still a, a, a different city owned by somebody else, home of Jerusalem, heard how, how Joshua had captured Ai and devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. He feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than I and all its men were warriors. So Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoam, king of Herob, and Piram, king of 
uh, Jarmuth, to Japhthai, king of Lachish, and to uh, Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Herob, uh, Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered their forces and went up with their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and uh, come up to us quickly and save us and help us from all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country, because they are gathered against us. So Joshua went up to Gilgal, and he said, all the people, and all the people of war and all the mighty men went with him. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man shall stand before you. So Joshua became upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into panic before Israel, uh, threw them into panic before Israel, who struck them a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran, and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. And, and as they fled before Israel, they were going down the ascent of Beth Haran, and the Lord threw down some large stones from heaven as they were as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stands still at Gibeon, and the moon in the valley of, of, of Elon, Ejelon, sorry. And the sun stood still when the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Deshar? The sun stopped in the midst of the heaven and did not hurry to set for about a day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. <sighs> it is easy to hear all those names and places and let your ears glaze over and not get to the end. It is easy to hear about all that killing, a lot of it done by God himself, and miss the point of what that's about. Joshua was a man with faith like a mustard seed. Certainly Joshua was a man of faith like a mustard seed. I mean, my goodness, he was the right-hand man of Moses. He was hand-picked to take over after that. He crossed the Jordan, and the army of the angels of God showed up and said, this is how you're going to defeat, uh, this is how you're going to defeat, well, the name of that city. Jericho, Jericho thank you. Wow. <sighs> <sighs> See, I don't, I don't memorize it. <laughs> this is how you're going to defeat Jericho, Right. This is Joshua. Of course he had faith of a mustard seed. And look at what he did. But then Joshua had to do what? He had to, he had to activate that mustard seed. And Mark told us how to activate that mustard seed. And it shows right in here that, that, that Joshua did that. Because it says, at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord. Joshua had already been told by God, go into battle, and I'm going to be on your side. You don't have to worry about it. But when Joshua needed more time to do the will of God to destroy all these people, 
He spoke to the Lord. He prayed. Matthew tells us when you take that mustard seed of faith and you pray, what's going to happen? Incredible things. He stopped the sun. It says right here in the book of Jashar. It was written there. What's the book of Jashar? We'll talk about that. The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for a whole day. I can't make this up. It's like these two things were written to be together, which guess what? They were. How is it possible that Jesus teaches about this mustard seed of faith and how to activate it, and yet we go all the way back in time and we see that Joshua did exactly that? Joshua knew exactly how to take that mustard seed of faith he has and do great things. Now, is that what got him in the book of Jashar? No, I don't think so. Now, the book of Jashar is this, just so you know. The book of Jashar is something nobody really knows what it is. The book of Jashar is one of these ancient books that you can find all over in ancient writings. Saying, hey, you can read this in the book of Smith and the book of Jones. And nobody can find the book of Smith and the book of Jones. right? But in the Bible, the book of Jashar is mentioned two times. One time here, and one time in 2 Chronicles, when King David, after King Saul has died, writes a song of lament. And it says he had it written into the book of Jashar so that everyone would learn it. So whatever this book was, it was an important book that important things were written down in. So you could remember them. But what got him in the book of Jashar was not this great deed. What got David to be a man after, king, after God's heart was not his great deeds. It certainly wasn't David's great moral character. Because he was not, if you haven't read that part, a great moral character. But what they both knew how to do was to take a mustard seed of faith and sow it out and activate it with prayer. And then they did the next important step. Expected God to do something with it. Trusted God to do something with it. Were confident that God would do something with it. That is exactly what they did. That's exactly what got David to be a man after God's own heart because everything he did when he did it right was about trusting God's heart to do it. What Joshua did was trust that he knew God would do what God said he would do. So just so you know, I'll tell you what the book of Jashar really is. The book of Jashar is this. A bad Hebrew translation from the King James Version in 16-something that has followed the English versions forever. Jashar is not the word Jashar. It's actually a bad translation of the Hebrew word Yashar. Yeshur, actually. And Yeshur literally means straight. So you might say, I'm walking a straight line. I'm walking on a straight or flat or level path. You might say, and, and then it, when you put it in context of other things, you would say, this is the Yeshar person for the job, the right person for the job. This, is, this person is qualified for the job. But you would also, in the right context, say, this is a righteous man. This is a just man. This is a honest man. This is a upright man. So the word is not actually... Yashar, it's actually Ha Yashar. 
And ha is putting the word the in front of it. So this is actually the book of the upright. The book of the honest. The book of the just. The book of the righteous. These guys got their names in the book of the upright, not because they were so perfect, but because they understood how God and faith worked together. That's what gets people mentioned in those books. It is an amazing thing when you start taking your faith and using it like they did. But that still leaves us in a big hole because we're still convinced that we've got to make the sun stop. We've got to move a mountain to show that we have a mustard seed of faith. And that absolutely is not true. Our New Year's resolution for 2019 is to grow our faith. And what that means is we need to take, not today, but sometime in the next few days, time to decide in each of our lives what is something we want to throw that mustard seed of faith at? What is something that I need to turn over to the Lord? To sow that mustard seed of faith out there. To let it land wherever he lands it. To let it roll into whatever crack it may roll into. And then activate it. So I would encourage you all in the next few days to think about that thing. To think about that one thing, just one thing, not a whole thing. And it could be a giant thing, it could be a little thing. Think about that thing that you want to turn over to the Lord, that you want to have faith the Lord is going to change in your life. And then I want you to write it down. Because like most New Year's resolutions, if you write it down, you feel obligated to do it. But in this case, you're obligated to follow it. Write it down, and then you have to sit and you have to activate it. You have to pray to the Lord that this Lord is what I need to turn over to you. This Lord is what I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of me this year. This Lord is something you're going to change for me. And you need to pray about it a lot. I would say no less than once a week. Don't bug him every time because he knows what you need. In your prayers from then on, say, Lord, I know you're working on this for me. Show me what I need to do. Show me how I need to change. Show me the direction I can go to help do this. You see, Joshua said, Lord, stop the sun because I'm running out of time to defeat your enemies. He didn't just stop the sun and just sit there and wait. He stopped the sun and he kept fighting because that's what he was supposed to do. That's what the Lord told him to do. And so he prayed for that and still took part in the fix, still took part in the solution. So that's what we need to do. We're going to take that seed of faith. We're going to trust that the Lord is going to do it. You're going to activate it. And then you're going to help God. You're going to let God guide you to do it too. If we do that, I promise you, in your life, you'll start to see change. And when you start to see change, write that down. Write that down and say, I can't believe this. But look, and, and by the end of the year, it may not be fixed. It certainly probably won't be fixed in the way you thought it was going to be fixed. But watch how the Lord starts to work in it. Watch how he starts to work in your life. Watch how he starts to make the change and how your faith grows through that change. As our, as our group comes up, as the band comes back up, I've got the three questions I want that might help you with this. I hope so. 
says, first, when have you had to rely on faith? We've all had to do it, and sometimes we didn't recognize it. And be certain to count little things. We want these big things to be why we relied on faith, but it doesn't have to be big things. It can be tiny little things that you turned over to God. Second, how did God handle it? Because how God handled it is important. You need to learn to recognize that God's working in your life. That helps grow your faith when you recognize that work. And lastly, which is one of the, what, what is one habit that you need to improve to build your faith in 2019? That really is kind of one of those, you know, I'm going to go to the gym things, right? But it works in your faith life too. There's got to be a habit that we all need to improve. I'm a bad prayer. I, I, everybody, everybody that knows me knows that. I'm a bad prayer. My wife is a prayer warrior. I trust God will do it, and he knows what I need. I don't pray enough. That's a habit I'm going to change. It's a have to change. So Mark tells us in chapter 5, there's a woman. She's been bleeding for 12 years. Bleeding for 12 years. That's my motion for lady stuff. Sorry. <laughs> I'm still the old-fashioned guy. Seeing doctors spent tons of money, not better. Not only is it not better, it's, it's worse. She hears Jesus is coming to town. And she thinks, if I could just touch his robe, just touch his robe, I know that would make a difference. She had this mustard seed-like faith, right? And she weaves her way through the crowd and she reaches out and she touches his robe. Mark tells us that instantly she is healed. Instantly. She reached out that kernel of faith. She touched his robe. She took the action. She trusted that God was going to make that mustard seed grow, and it did. Instantly, she was healed. Jesus feels the power leave him. I can't imagine what that might have been like. Feels this healing power leave him. And all she did was touch his robe, right? Who, hey, I felt my power leave me. You know, he asks who it was. It takes a while to find out who the lady was. And he, she comes in front of him, and she kneels, and he looks at her, and he says... Your faith healed you. They are still writing the book of the upright someplace. They really are. And we have a spot in the book of the upright when we use our mustard seed of faith, when we grow our faith, when we trust in the Lord to activate that faith and do it, and we work with him to fix things. In 2019, let's make this the year that we get our names put in that book of the upright. Let's see how that changes not only our life, but this church. How this church is impacting the community it's in. Let's make that our goal. Let's make that our goal starting today and going forward. Amen? And she knew there was going to become a time where there were going to be trials and tribulations. And she wanted to have those good memories stocked up, deposited in her heart to, so that she would be ready. If you're going through a joyful season in your life, don't take it for granted. Please, treasure up the moments that you're experiencing right now. Store them in your heart and ponder on them. Think about them. Use them as a deposit, because life won't always be that way. And there may be times where you need the encouragement of a good memory. Maybe you're in a different circumstance this morning. Maybe life is not so joyful. Maybe Christmas is something to be endured rather than something to be celebrated. And I get that. 
I want to encourage you with what Joseph did. There's this incredible verse back in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he had no idea what to do. He thought his fiance had been unfaithful. He was thinking about divorcing her. He didn't know what his life was going to turn out to be. Back during that time, being unfaithful was a penalty punishable by death. So if Joseph reported her, which was his right to do, then she could be stoned to death. So he was dealing with a lot of things. But the beautiful thing about what Joseph did when the angel of the Lord greeted him, he didn't trust his own understanding because guess what? It was incomplete. Joseph could not know the whole story of what God was doing. None of us can know the whole story of what God is doing in our lives. He trusted God with all his heart. And he didn't lean on his own understanding. If you're going through a difficult time, if Christmas this year, not every year, but this year, if Christmas this year wasn't great, if January 2019 is something that you're kind of dreading, I get that. But would you put your trust in God today? And would you not lean on your own understanding? Because God has got this. And this season will change. Ups and downs. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on back up. They're going to play us a song as we end out our time together. But I would just encourage you, hey, do some business with God during this song. I don't know your story. I mentioned that at the beginning of my little speech here. I don't know what your life is like. I don't know what's going on in the innermost being of who you are, but you do, and God does. If you're in a situation where life is joyful and you've got a lot to celebrate, would you take on the commitment, would you take on the challenge to treasure those things up? Or if you're struggling right now, and if life is not so great, I'm going to beg you, please trust in the Lord and don't lean solely on your own understanding of what's going on. God loves you and he will take care of you. He will carry you through the sand of life. Let's listen to this song. <laughs>